Jeb Blunt has been at the epicenter of sales and marketing alignment. Today, he shares his perspective on how sales and marketing teams can work together to drive revenue growth. Are you ready to accelerate the growth of your business? Welcome to the Revenue Growth Podcast. This is the place for business owners, sales leaders, and marketing professionals to get ideas and inspiration to drive exponential revenue growth. Each week, you'll get actionable insights from the world's leading marketing and sales thought leaders and practitioners. Are you ready to grow? Let's join our host, Daryl Amy, author of Revenue Growth Engine. Welcome back to the Revenue Growth Podcast on C-Suite Radio, the world's largest business podcast network. I'm your host, Daryl Amy, trailblazer and growth architect, helping generous leaders grow their revenue and impact. The conversation we have lined up for today with Jeb Blunt is powerful. You're going to love it. It's an excerpt from the 2021 Sales and Marketing Alignment Challenge. If you missed the challenge, you can catch the recordings in their entirety at www.2021alignmentchallenge.com or simply text the word alignment to 21000. When you do, you'll also get access to bonus sessions throughout the year. As we begin, a special shout out today to the Outbound Conference. I'm going to be speaking at this powerhouse event in June, along with Jeb Blunt, Mark Hunter, Meredith Elliott Powell, Mike Weinberg, Larry Levine, Jim Carr, and many more thought leaders. You can get $100 off your ticket when you use the special discount code ALIGNMENT100 at www.outboundconference.com. To maximize revenue growth, we need to ensure that our sales and marketing processes are aligned. Today, you're going to hear an excerpt from a session with Jeb Blunt, author of Fanatical Prospecting, Virtual Selling, and many other fantastic sales books. Jeb will share his stories and insights from his experiences working as the sales liaison in the marketing department for a large company. He'll also bring insight from the companies he now serves as the founder of Sales Gravy. This is an interesting and provocative conversation packed with challenging ideas. I know you're going to get a lot out of this, so grab a pen and a notepad and get ready to join this conversation between me, my co-host Jim Carr, and Jeb Blunt after a quick word from our sponsors. Today, uh, we are going to talk about process and how critical it is that we get our processes aligned. Check this stat out, Jim. We looked at this earlier, but this is 90% of sales and marketing professionals point to disconnects. These are problems. Strategy is what we hit on day one, but process, oh my goodness, process is a critical issue if we want to get aligned. It is, uh, it, it's a big, hairy type of issue. And I know of no one who would be better at bringing not only great ideas, but energy and motivation to the topic of processes than our guest today, Jeb Blunt. 
Absolutely. I think uh, I think we all know Jeb Blunt. We know him for fanatical prospecting. We know him for so many sales books. We know him for uh, releasing virtual selling the, the week after we all went virtual. What a gift. So uh, join us and give us a wild virtual welcome to our good friend, Jeb Blunt. What's going on this morning, Jeb? <laughs> I'm doing great. It's very nice to see you. Thank you for having me. Uh, uh, Join the uh, the sales and marketing alignment challenge. I, I, that was a great setup, and and you're right. You know there there will always be process alignment challenges, and and process is shifting all the time. For example, we talked about virtual selling, and mm-hmm. yeah, that was it was cool to get it out right after the, we all got <laughs> locked down. But one of the one of the big challenges right now for sales and marketing and leaders with alignment is remapping the sales process so that you're you're blending virtual in. And and mm-hmm. by the way, this this is a combination of marketing and sales. So blending, by the way, is the is the new word that everybody needs to learn. And if you're a sales and marketing leader right now, you should be taking a look at your entire process. And I'm not talking about the big phases that are in your CRM. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about all of the micro steps along the way where you're interacting with with customers and prospects. By the way, this is both from a a selling, pure selling and an account management process. Mm -hmm. And then figuring out how do you blend in virtual channels, both synchronous and asynchronous, to give your salespeople the highest probability of getting the outcome that they desire at every step in the process at the lowest cost of time, energy, and money. And that is the new formula for success in sales and for generating ROI from each head on your sales team. That's, I mean, that right there that, you know, the highest probability, the highest probability at every stage in the sales process, this is where, you know, when we, we looked at, um, during this week, customer experience, we had, you know, we're, and and Joey Coleman is going to really help us with this. It's mapping that thing out and really understanding what goes on it at each stage. Right. Well, exactly. When you talk about customer experience, let's just talk about buying experience. So customer experience, when you start looking at the journey, right? So a buying journey. So the, there, there are multiple journeys along the cycle. One of those journeys is the business development journey, right? So mm-hmm. marketing plays a role at the early part of, of that process. If you put in account-based marketing along the way, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're maintaining that relationship with the customer over time. But there's business development, then there's qualifying, then there's sales, right? So closing the deal, then there's implementation. So no matter what you're selling, you have to deliver it, you have to implement it. There's account management, there's customer experience, and that customer experience journey really is driven from the moment that they close the deal all the way through. That actually sends you back into the marketing cycle because those people become testimonials. They become uh, they become customers that are advocates for you. They become evangelists for you. You can use them in your marketing campaigns. All of that matters greatly. But one thing that we have to understand, especially about selling, is that the buyer's emotional experience of going through the process with the salesperson is the most consistent predictor of, of, of outcome than any other variable. So mm. we, we, we fixate on price, we fixate on, on, on our product, we fixate on, you know, on the offering. If you're in marketing, you're fixating on what the sales, what the, you know, what the website looks like. What are you doing on social? What are you doing in, in digital? All of those things. But the rubber hits the road at the relationship. That's why we have salespeople. If the relationship didn't matter, we wouldn't have salespeople. We would just have a bunch of websites up and a button on it that says buy now. 
But because that doesn't work in every cell, it works in some cells, but it works in every cell, we need that relationship. So when you start thinking about blending, this is where the art of this comes in. The nuance is how am I creating a, a, a relationship with this customer in a way that creates a better buying experience? Now, let me give you a stat to chew on just for a moment because yesterday I was with a group of salespeople who sell advanced weapon systems. So I'm coaching and, and training this group of people. So, you know, these are, these are pretty smart folks. And, you know, one of the, one of the folks says, well, this, this is terrible. I hate this. I can't go get in front of people. It sucks. And I can't sell anything. Another person says, I'm crushing it right now. I'm selling everything in this moment. So you have two different perspectives from salespeople. Where marketing really needs to come in, especially around process, is to put perspective around that. So McKinsey just came out with a report that I think is pretty phenomenal, and I think it's a groundbreaking survey. It was a global survey of buyers. Well, it turns out that 77% of buyers in this survey, and I believe this data, say that they prefer a virtual interaction at the beginning of the conversation when they're evaluating the potential vendor. Here's what they're saying. It's a lot easier for me to have a conversation with you on video. And by the way, they prefer video over phone, but easier to have a conversation with you on video when, when I'm evaluating you because then I'll have to bring you to my office, get you security, go through putting a mask on, get a cup of coffee, take an hour to do what I can take 15 minutes to do. Right. What they're saying is that when there's less friction, when you make it easy and pleasurable for me, then I feel better about it emotionally. If I feel better about it emotionally, I'm much more likely to advance through the steps. And by the way, at some point, I do want to meet you in person. And in some cases, especially if you're selling something complex, let's say into a manufacturing plant, you need to go there. I mean, you have to mm -hmm. go do some discovery. So I think that when we start thinking about process, right, this is... I mean, this blending, you know, this concept of blending, it's like the ultimate mashup of sales and marketing and all of the pieces that, that work, that create, as you would say, a growth engine, right? So this mm -hmm. is the engine itself. And it's, there's not a black and white here. This requires smart people to sit down and think. But you got to go step into the customer's shoes because it's their emotional experience with you that matters the most. Yeah, I like that, Jim. You know, just thinking about like we talk a lot when when we're thinking about marketing, we're thinking about the stages of the customer experience. We talk a lot about friction, and you know, there's there's like that practical part where it just slows it down and it reduces the ratios in between the stages. But really, what what I'm seeing this morning is is friction introduces negative emotion, right? And and from a sales standpoint, the moment negative emotion comes into the picture, you know, it is not helpful, not helpful at all. And uh, I love it. Yeah, Jim, what are you thinking? And I, I think it, it there's the levels of frustrations, of friction. I, we, we've all had so many restrictions on us and mm -hmm. taking us out of our comfortable patterns of speaking to one another and learning from one another that that just introduces more frustration. Good things don't happen at that. And then just um, uh, it's been a continual pattern, Jeb. I know you, you've seen it of people have so many buyers, prospective buyers have so many sources, so many people reaching out to them, so many things to evaluate, especially for complex solutions. They just need somebody to help them make sense out of things. And so if we can take out the frustration and also and cut out the extraneous stuff. Mm -hmm. Then um, and, and use our processes in order to be able to do that. That seems like the things that we have to balance now. 
Well, I think it, 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 we, have to, we have to balance all of that, and we have to remember one thing, and this is, I think, and super important for mm-hmm. leaders, so marketing leaders, sales leaders. You know, so Daryl was on talking about you know, the technology, and we talk about digital, and, and you know, we've, I think no one would argue that we haven't compressed like 10 years of innovation in the, in the process of about 10 months. And it's incredible what's happened over the last year for us. But what we can't allow to happen is digital and, and distance to delude us into believing that the relationships don't matter because the relationships matter greatly. And when you start, start talking about process alignment, what, what, what's requiring is all the stakeholders in this process, the salesperson, the marketing organization, the, the sales organization, sales operations, all of this has to be centered around creating a better relationship with the customer. And I love what you said about friction. That's the key, easy and pleasurable. In fact, you know, I can break customer experience down to those two words, make it easy (laughs) and pleasurable for people to do business with you and they will continue to do business with you Mm -hmm. and they will buy more from you. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean that the sales process itself, like the selling motion is going to be frictionless. It just, that's, that's, that would be, you know, delusional to even believe that that's going to be possible. But what, what the goal is, is for, especially for salespeople, stop thinking about yourself. I hear these salespeople like, my, my customers don't want to get on video. I'm like, no, you don't want to get on video. Your customers are telling us <laughs> right. they want to get on video. Right. I mean, in this, in this McKinsey report, I think the, the number was 76% of customers said if they have a choice between video and phone, they're going to choose video. Think about that. Now, but if you ask salespeople, they would say, well, all, 10% of my customers are going to get video. That's not true. We like video because it creates this relationship. I mean, think about what we're doing right now. I mean, exactly. we could all have gotten on airplanes and gotten together, but we're able to do this. And, and you guys have got a beautiful process. I mean, this presentation, what you're doing on video is outstanding. And, 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 and you've done this because you're marketers. I mean, you're thinking mm-hmm. about what, what are we presenting? Well, the same thing. If the marketing organization steps in and helps the salespeople create a better emotional experience for their customers, and the sales organization stops thinking about themselves and starts thinking about the customer, this is when you begin to get some process alignment that, that, that takes the friction out for the customer or the buyer when they're trying to work with your organization. Yeah. Yeah. Where, so where, where can, where can someone, where can a company start? Like, where are you seeing this working well in the middle of all of this? You know, we've had to, we've had to pivot and repivot and pivot again and, and figure out, you know, in the middle of, of this whole um, shift. I mean, where, how, how is, how's, how are marketing, where are you seeing marketing and sales working well together? Um, best practices. What's what's going on out there? Because you talk to a lot of companies, Jeff. Yeah. So, okay, Daryl, this is a loaded question. So I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna give you two answers. Okay. So and they're and they're one's gonna be short, one's gonna be long. So if the one the long one goes on, Jim knows that I'm from the South, so I can like I can't say hello in less than like two hours. So you Georgia um, boys. But, so, <laughs> So, uh, so let's start with where, how is this working? It's beginning at the C-suite. So where I'm seeing organizations make the shift and make the transformation is when the CEO says, this is what we're going to do. I'm not mm-hmm. seeing this happen in the bowels of the organization. 
because it's kind of like, you know, the, let's take American politics right now, which is just a disaster, right? So we've, we've got this complete separation. So the salespeople are all on one side of the room, and then the, the marketers are on the other side of the room. So you have, like, Republicans and Democrats, and, and, and they live in these ideological silos, and right. they're all focused on their own self-interest, and that's a very hard way to get together. Mm-hmm. So when the CEO says, this is what we're going to do, the organizations that I'm seeing that are stepping into this, it's starting there, it, it, and I don't know any other way for it to go. Maybe you've got some, you know, some you know, some forward-thinking uh, executives like you know. Do you talk? You had Daryl Perel on. He's a, you know, Daryl's amazing. He's a CMO. He's fantastic, and I think he's probably a person that can drive that. So he's working with the C-suite to move this, mm-hmm. but it's happening at the C-suite first. Second thing is, this isn't new. In 1996, that's a long time ago. Uh, I, I work for a big, uh, a big multinational Fortune 500 company, and I was, I had been the number one salesperson in the company a couple of years in a row, crushed all the numbers. I had uh, been a sales manager and crushed all the numbers, and I got hired by the senior vice president of, of sales and marketing to go out to our corporate office in California, and they hired me as the manager of national sales development, which is a, a title that they made up. But essentially what my job was was to sit in the marketing organization organization as a field salesperson and help the marketing organization see through the eyes of sales. So, and, and this was before all the digital stuff we have today. So, I mean, it, could, it would have been just like going to the advertising agency and they're doing, you know, they're building brochures for the salespeople to use. And I'm the guy sitting on the table going, this doesn't work because it's too complicated. It's too, fric- it's too, it's too much friction. You've got eight paragraphs of copy on there. I need four bullet points because I'm right. sitting in front of a customer and I got 20 minutes to get them to say yes to this thing. So that's what my job was at the time. And because we had the same issues then, like there was always this conflict between sales and marketing. And I don't know that it's any worse than it ever was before. I, I actually believe that it's better than it used to be because because marketing has evolved in, in a way that salespeople are kind of part of marketing. I mean, I think the biggest, mm-hmm. for example, the biggest marketing conflicts we have in our organization is not a conflict between sales and marketing because we are not, we're not on each other's interest. It's that my marketers are pissed off at the salespeople all day long because the salespeople won't get on social media and share everything that they need to. And you would think, you know, my organization, it's sales gravy. I mean, this is, we talk about this all the time, that my salespeople would be on the front line of social, but they're not. They're like every other salesperson out there. They're like, I need to go talk to people because that's how I make money. So I, I see more conflict there than anything, but I think that the 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 idea of how do we do this i mean how you do it is the same way we did it back then we had to help each other see that perspective mm-hmm. so you, instead of living in your ideological silos you had to do crossover so for, for example if someone said well the marketing people aren't getting salespeople," i said well put a marketer you know with the salesperson and have them sit there while the salesperson calls the inbound leads that marketing generated and listen to what the people are saying. Listen to what the salesperson's saying. Listen what you know. Listen to what the customer's saying. Now I've been out. You know, and I'll just give you an example of this. I'm out in San Francisco in the Bay Area. We've got a lot of software clients that we work with. So you've got the you know the new way of doing things. You've got all of the silos in the sales organization. You got SDRs and you got senior SDRs and account executives and senior account executives and account executives that only do this. And then there's a marketing team in that. And I don't. I think these big open offices are going to go away after the pandemic. But these big open offices. So all the SDRs sit over here and all the marketers sit over there and they don't talk to each other. And in fact, the marketers right. are pissed off because the 
people are too loud. But they're calling the inbound leads that the marketing organization is developing. So I'm like, you know, get up and go over and sit next to them. I mean, you're complaining because they're not converting your leads, but you're not listening to the objections that they're getting. You're not listening to their approach or how they're, you know, how they're asking questions. If you got involved, you could do that. And then, you know, the same thing with the sales leaders. When the marketers are putting together campaigns, maybe go sit with the marketers and tell them, here's what I need in order to get leads in that I can convert. So mm-hmm. that, that's the only way that you're going to do this. I mean, and, and, and by the way, I hope it never goes away. If there's, if there's natural conflict and friction between marketing and sales, it's a good thing. It's a bad thing when it's dysfunctional. But it's mm-hmm. a really good thing because when, there, when, when you have that conflict, the organization perpetually gets better. It's been uh, common to me, uh, Jeb, you go into an organization and if you're workshopping something that involves marketing and sales and bringing them together, there's this conversation back around the table when we're around the table of, hey, Curtis, I've heard your name for about four years. I don't think we've ever spoken to each other. Uh, either salesperson from another region or from their, you know, marketing and uh, different points of different units in there. Um, I think it's really interesting. You mentioned a couple of points that are really important. I'd love you to dive in a, a bit more. So sponsorship and leadership from the top, as in this is the thing that we're going to do. We really have to do it in order to grow the way that we want. And I presume it's not leadership like you folks just play nice. OK, I'm tired of the complaining. No, it's it's you're really going to be working together toward a common goal. And you talk about actually working together, getting people in the same space and being able to see through the lenses of other other business units to take that down a notch. Jeb, are there some common metrics, a few things on the dashboard that say sales and marketing and some other areas in, in common language can work toward to, to almost be a forcing function of here, here's what we're going to accomplish together and here's how we'll know we're making progress. Well, I mean, if, if you just think about metrics, I mean, that, I don't. I think the the easy common metrics would be leads generated. That's a metric I look at. So I come in the morning to my office um, here in lovely downtown Thompson, Georgia. But I, you know, the first thing I do is there's a there's a wall there. So I'm looking at different metrics in the organization. How many training hours do we deliver? Which trainers are delivering those hours? But one of the big things I look at is what are the leads that we generated? And there are, we have different you know qual- types of leads. And then I walk. I look at that first, and then I walk past. My my marketing department and I'm like, nice job or hey, we're behind. And those mm-hmm. and they're posting that every single day. So I'm seeing those metrics come through and I make them post it on the board. And I can go into the dashboard. We use HubSpot's our, you know, our CRM so and our, our, our marketing automation software. So I can actually go look and see there. But I want everything up. I want everybody to see the metrics. I'm a big, big proponent of that because where you don't have visibility, you have ambiguity. And where you have ambiguity, you have mediocrity. So if I put everything up on the board, everybody can see it. So um, I think that's one thing. The other thing is you can, you can take a look at, at cross-sales and upsells. So how are you growing your customers? Part of that is account management. But part of that is how is marketing, what is marketing do doing to educate our customers how are they using what we already have? We have all this information. How are they using social account-based marketing, that type of thing? So are we getting upsells? Are we growing the business that way? Because it didn't really make a difference. All this is fun, but if we're not growing, who cares? Uh, you can also, you can take a look at your conversion. So what are we doing from lead creation to lead conversion? How is that working? Uh, how is that helping us? And then of course, there are, there are little things like, you know, you can look at your 
things like visibility, your brand awareness, social media. I mean, a big, big, big piece of what we have our marketers doing is focusing on SEO. So what pages are converting? Why are they converting? How are we converting? You know, I, I want them looking at, you know, what are our just organic click-throughs on those pages, for example, and how can we improve that? So we can, we, can we tweak anything to create that? All of those things matter greatly. So I think you've got to look at those metrics across the board. Now, I don't hold my marketers accountable for how many cold calls my rep made today. Uh, but I want, I want to know that and I want my marketers screaming if they're producing leads and those leads aren't getting called, right? So, and mm. there's, I think there's a, there are a number of statistics out there, but I, I, I believe in my heart that at least half of the leads that marketers produce never even get a follow-up. And if they do get a follow-up, maybe once. So all of those metrics matter greatly. And I think for any organization, those MTMs, metrics that matter, I think you've got to nail what those look like, and they're always evolving in my organization. So that's one thing. But let's go back to what executives do. What executives need to be doing is they need to get people connected. Like this is leading, right? You're getting your people connected to a future state emotionally to that state. Mm -hmm. And that means in a lot of cases, you're asking people to step into something they're not used to. Let's just take virtual selling. There are organizations right now that are still struggling. I'm, you know, it's amazing to me. You know, we're we're 12 months in now. To the the, the we got one next week will be the week we shut down, right? I think the 14th mm -hmm. or 15th next week. There are still organizations that are that are struggling, and they don't get it. Like we're not going back. I mean, I understand. I'm not I'm not taking away. Nobody's going to say that in person meetings aren't the best way for us to meet. And we will be meeting in person. We're going to sell in person. We're going to have conversations in person. I had an in-person sales meeting in Virginia last week, and we will continue to do that. But that's not the only way that we're going to be doing things. Marketers and salespeople need to catch up. If the, if the C-suite isn't ahead of the curve, if the C-suite isn't saying, this is where we're going to go, this is what we're going to do, the organization will always go back to doing what it's always done. People will always focus on their own self-interest in the organization versus looking ahead. And the leaders have got to bang the drum, repetition, 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 repetition. And gentlemen, I'll give you one example from my own world, my own company. Um, back, this would have been in the, the, the I guess it would have been the, the winter of 2019. So uh, February 2019, I said where I'm standing right now was, was outside. It was the back, the back of our building, but this was grass. And I sat down with uh, David Montessori, who is our creative director, and said, we're going to build a virtual studio complex. And I want it from the ground up, and I want, I want to build sound studios. I want the best technology. I want this. I want that. And I went to talk to my team, and, you know, Keith Lutner, who's my head of training, is like, well, this is just crazy. Uh, my wife, who was our CFO, said, you are out of your mind. I'm not spending this much money. Um, my trainers were like, nobody's ever going to do this. I mean, we're <laughs> never going to be training virtually. We're not going to do this. But I, I was seeing the trends. We were picking mm -hmm. up a few more virtual deliveries, and we sucked at it. We were, I mean, wait, I don't think the delivery is bad, but the, but the presentation was bad. Mm -hmm. I, and, and I just want and everybody who's watching this, I want you to notice what Daryl and Jim have done with this because this presentation is gorgeous. It's brilliant. It's good. It is, it is high quality. It's one of the best that I've seen, and this is where everybody has to go. This required vision. So we started building. Everybody told me I was wrong. Don Quixote, you know, tilting at windmills. 
And and then and I was and I was preparing for a recession, not a pandemic. Okay, so I just figured at some point there was going to be a recession. I got 26 trainers. I don't want people to be out of a job. They got families. I care about them. Mm -hmm. So we built. Well, last year on March 14th or 15th, the country got shut down and the world got shut down. And we never missed a beat. We didn't lose a client. We didn't we didn't lose a gig. We didn't lose anything. We've delivered in the studio 101 keynotes since September 1st. We have delivered thousands of hours of training. We have now nine studios across the country, and we're doing things that no one else has done. Uh, I'm not sure our production is quite as good as yours. I love what you've done here. It's beautiful. Uh, I'm, <laughs> oh, in, I'm in awe of it. But, but the point is, is that we were ready to go. No one could see that except for David and I. We were the only ones. And because I'm the CEO of the company, if I wasn't driving it, we wouldn't be here. We would have been trying to catch up during the pandemic versus mm -hmm. be ahead. You know, so is that what the C-suite has to do is say, this is where the puck is going to be, to take a, Rain, a Wayne Gretzky analogy. This is where the puck's going to be, right? And you, this is the Canadian in the world. <laughs> I love a good Wayne Gretzky analogy. Hockey is. Like, hey, no idea. Like, what's ice? So, so but, but, we, but what we, we start thinking about that, that's what I'm talking about. Like, the C-suite has to say, we have to go there. And then yes. the C-suite has to drive that. If you're expecting your sales and marketing teams to somehow organically figure all this out, they're not going to. And going to. And by the way, if they're not fighting with each other, you should also be, you know, be afraid. It's like when you're in a house and in and, and your house, like you got kids in the house or, you know, our dogs or whatever you got. And all of a sudden things get quiet. Right. Something bad's happening. Right? It is too quiet. Yes. Right. So. That's I think that's what the C-suite has to do. Now, mm -hmm. does that mean that that you know if you're a director of marketing or a you know or a marketing manager or you're the director of sales or a sales manager or even if you're an individual sales rep, should you not take a leadership role? No, you got to be driving that. You got to be advocating up. So there's going to be a group of people who always want things to be the way they were. There's going to be a group of people that need to push up and advocate. Even if your organization isn't paying attention to you, trust me, somebody is listening, do the right thing, tell people, bang the drum, but that's how it happens. And 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 the the and the alignment when you talk about alignment, that's a moving target. We're gonna be mm -hmm. aligned today, tomorrow we're not gonna be aligned because things are gonna change. Yeah. I, you know, I think of alignment, Jeb, I think of, uh, you know, you're, we're driving down the road, your car's out of alignment, right? It's pulling to the left, yep. pulling to the right. You're going to hit, you're going to hit a pothole at some point in this and you're going to get knocked. This is a continual um, thing. But I know when you bring, when I bring my car in for an alignment, they put it up on the, you know, thing and there's a point on the wall they focus on to get those wheels aligned. And then you, then, then everything's fixed. And, and you got to get your car aligned over and over again. This point of the wall we're talk, discussing today is process. And um, I want to I want to think about some of the core processes that uh, that we can align around. And obviously, um, anyone that's hung around with Jeb knows that he's fanatical about prospecting. Uh, so, it, you know, I'm curious. It, it, it actually is a really good analogy. Just thinking about the pandemic was the speed bump, right? We're just flying down the road. We hit the, we hit the pothole and all of a sudden, you know, the car is out of alignment. How do we get prospecting that process of consistent prospecting? How do, how do we get that back on track, especially with 
like sales managers now have reps scattered all over the place. You can't walk around the office and see what's going on. What's what do we need to be thinking in terms of realigning the process of prospecting? Well, I don't think you need to realign the process of prospecting. I think you need to lead prospecting. So I'll give you an example. So this morning, my own son, who's my sales rep, who's maybe listening to this, so I forgive me. <laughs> um, but the problem being related to me is you're probably going to end up a book or, or be, a, you know, be an analogy for something. So, uh, so my son, uh, his pipeline is starting to stink it up. So I called him this morning. I talked to his sales manager and said, hey, what do you think, what's going on? And she goes, he's not starting his day with a phone block. Okay, well, this is basic. Like, I write about this in right. Financial Prospecting, right? Yeah. You eat the frog first thing in the morning. If you start mm-hmm. your day with prospecting, you'll probably end your day with prospecting. If you start your day with email or watching cat videos, you're probably <laughs> going to end the day with watching cat videos. So I called him this morning as a leader and said, hey, your, your pipeline stinks. It sucks. And you're way better than this. He, he's a brilliant sales representative. I mean, he's really talented, more talented than me. But it doesn't make a difference how talented you are if you don't have prospects to call on. We're generating tons of leads, so it's not like there's a you know there's a there's a problem with leads, and we have 1.2 million records in our CRM, so we got plenty of people to call, and 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 we we generate our share of good hot inbound leads, so we've got those coming in on a regular basis. So I'm like, you've got to rearrange your day. You know exactly what to do. Get your butt back into prospecting. It's going to take you 90 days to get yourself out of this hole. We're getting late in the year. And, you know, we have a, a, we call it pinnacle club in our, in our company, but we have a, you know, president's club type thing. So, you know, you, you're going to miss this if you don't, if you don't miss it, we're probably going to go to Hawaii this year or something fun like that. So I don't know where we'll end up someplace cool, maybe Swainsboro, but um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a barbecue joint down there and a, and a motel <laughs> That's, so, that, that, that's third prize. Yeah, that's the third prize. So, but the point is, is that that the process didn't change. The, you have to lead. Like, so now you've got all these leaders that have salespeople all over the place. They're remote. So let's talk about process. If marketing is creating leads and following up on leads, then that's happening. That that doesn't. Their marketers should have never missed a beat. Although one of the things that did change in the pandemic is that inbound leads, that became a really a much harder thing to generate. So inbound leads mm-hmm. dropped during the pandemic. Everybody is distracted. People are worried about things. So outbound prospecting became a big issue. Now, it's a little bit too late to, to uh, get realigned because all that happened back in April and May and June of last year. So, you know, you're, you're kind of back getting back to a, a more normal place. But outbound has to be realigned so it becomes more of a drive. So suddenly, marketing can't produce as many leads as you had before. So leaders, sales leaders, naturally have to step up and say, okay, well, we got to go outbound. And outbound, I mean, that can be video. That can be a phone call. It can be email. It can be a text message. It can be chat. I love chat. It can be social media. It can be all of these different things. So all of a sudden, they have to do that. But the process of prospecting isn't hard. It's like this. Pick up the damn phone and call somebody. (laughs) So that's it, right? So now if you're a leader, what do you have to do? If you're a leader, then you have to say, okay, our phone blocks are happening first thing in the morning. I'm looking for patterns. I, you know, I'm, I'm noticing all my salespeople. I've got one, my own kid, who isn't prospecting first thing in the morning. Salespeople are going to do that. So if you think you're going to get consistent prospecting all the time, you're smoking crack, you're not. You're going to get inconsistent prospecting most of the time. And your job is 
the, the pothole is a great example of that. It's like autopilot, right? You've got to constantly be out there working on things. So if you think you're setting it and forget it, you're out of your mind. You have to be in with them. You've got you to get people back on track again, make the call, get back on the telephone. Uh, I suggest when you have a remote sales team, you know, if you're going to run call blocks every single, single morning as a sales leader, pick up a list you call to, get everybody on a Zoom call. Hey, we're going. You go. Stop them in the middle, 30 minutes in, report in, do it again, come back. That's how you do that. And then you can you know, let people then run their way. I'm not talking about you know, ma- uh, micromanaging people, but that's what has to happen. Now, where does marketing come into play? The best marketing organizations I, I work with, and uh, there's a couple out there that are just brilliant at this, they're really good at using uh, automation tools like Vanillasa, for example, where what, what they'll do is as they bring leads in, they'll take a vanilla soft and they'll create these playlists. And you can call them anything you want to. The, the best marketers call them playlists, but they, they bring them in. So they load the list in for the reps in the morning. And this is where marketing and sales really comes together from a process standpoint. So mm-hmm. the, 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 the marketing is organization is either generating leads or they're getting information. So they're pulling information in from different data sets on these leads and they're giving you know, they're scoring the leads or they're saying, hey, these directionally, this is where we should be, even if it's pure cold calling, right? They can mm-hmm. go to, say, you know, a, a client like Zoom Info, but they could go in, get information. These are companies right now that have a high propensity, high probability of doing something. Build those lists, hand those lists off to the salespeople so the sales manager isn't having to worry about it and the salesperson isn't having to worry about it because salespeople are, are really bad at building lists. And I tell salespeople, sales managers this all the time. If you think your salespeople are going to go build list and be good at it, you, again, smoke and crack. They're not going to do that. you got to be part of that. But where I really see marketing and sales nailing it on prospecting is marketing is building the list based on data sets with input from the sales management team. Right. So the sales team is telling them these things. So the salesperson comes in and says, okay, here are your 25 leads you need to call this morning. Boom. When they get called, we take a look at the results. Then we can follow that up with a sequence. So where marketing really comes into play is, okay, let's create a sequence for these leads. So we're going to call first. And where marketing goes wrong, by the way, is when they fall into the habit of salespeople of using an asynchronous channel like email before they use a synchronous channel like the telephone. But they build the sequence out. Where does marketing come into play? Messaging. But marketing sucks at messaging when marketing is doing messaging independent of the sales organization because marketers don't make cold calls and, they, and, they're, and all they do is they put their own biases into it versus creating good messaging around the emails, around messaging that works in sequences. So if you start thinking about a sequence, you know, whether it's the pace, whether it's the duration, whether it's the cadence of touches, how many touches, where you're going to touch, how long it's going to be, marketers should be building that. They should be able to use mm-hmm. data to create what a sequence looks like, the messaging is the hardest part. And too many organizations are letting the salespeople come up with the messaging for prospecting. Okay, well, you fix the messaging for prospecting. Now, here's here's my job as a salesperson. You come in in the morning, here's your list, pick up the damn phone and call somebody. And that's all (laughs) I got to worry about, right? I've taken everything else off their plate, build that. And and so when when you're using tools like a vanilla soft for that purpose, it allows you to make it a whole lot easier on your salespeople. But the, but the process of managing prospecting is, as a leader, you got to get into the trenches with your salespeople, hold them accountable because it's the one thing that they don't want to do. And I don't care if they're calling it warm inbound leads or purely cold leads to the salesperson, making the calls the hardest thing that they do, period.
Bingo. Jeb, you know, it's interesting. One of the things when it comes to sales and marketing alignment, I'm curious what you think about this. I've noticed in companies where the marketing people go through the prospecting training, like fanatical prospecting, for example, uh, when the marketing people go through that and they learn about the psychology, they learn about the, you know, what a cause statement is and how to deliver it. That if if you can put your marketing people through the sales training in maybe all of it, you're going to be a lot better aligned. I'm assuming you'd agree with that. I do, and and the nice thing is most of the organizations that hire us, we we they'll bring us in to talk to the marketing team, especially around messaging and mm-hmm. how to create messaging. And I'll, it's it's not uncommon for us to do a call statement workshop with the marketers where. We force the marketers essentially to go stand in the customer's shoes. And the hardest thing for a marketer is they're thinking, oh, my God, I would never do this. Like, I would never go out and talk to a customer because the most terrifying thing in the world for me. So they build all this passive messaging to mm-hmm. protect their own feelings in the moment. So we, we, have, we walk them through that process. But you may be surprised to, 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 uh, to, to learn that the number one role in organizations, so the role that hires us the most out of organizations is the CMO. Interesting. We, we, get, we get hired by marketers way more than we get hired by the sales leaders to come in. And, and we have marketing organizations that are paying out of their own budget for us to train the salespeople to prospect because marketing you know, has gone from you know, pure branding to, we talk about the metrics that matter, how many leads are you generating and how many mm-hmm. are converting? And there's somebody holding them accountable to do that, especially in larger companies that are funded by, you know, by VC money. There's a, there's a lot of pressure on them to convert those leads into growth. So, so marketers bring us in because they don't feel like the salespeople have the tools necessary to, to, to convert. Uh, the 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 issue with with marketers when it comes to messaging in particular is just you got to get out of your own fear set in order to build messaging that a hunter salesperson or an SDR can use and uh, and sometimes you just need a little bit of help with that. Yeah, yeah. And just to add to that, marketers are spending a lot more on technology and processes and systems than was the case before. We've just seen that that continue. I, um, Jeb, I just thought uh, uh, an impression that I've had uh, over, especially over the past few years, you can confirm or deny in your experience. But uh, from a marketer standpoint, and I'm a recovering marketer myself, I uh, was a uh, CMO a while back uh, for a mid-market company is you have to get past the mindset of creating content that is just in case, like just in case you need a bunch of case studies or product information or our, our backstory to this just in time. So you're prepared in nuggets, as you said, a few talking points for specific conversations that your salespeople can have. And they're not using that as an excuse for, I don't know what to say, or I don't need to find what I can talk about. I can actually pick up the phone, right? Yeah, I think I think probably, and I love what you said, Jim. I think that I see this more often than not is marketing organizations just over-engineering messaging completely. Mm-hmm. So go back to 1996 when I'm manager of national sales development. I'm sitting in, in these meetings and nobody likes me because I'm just like, no, 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 and no. This it needs to be direct. I need this. I'm. I'm. Let me explain how we're using this information. I think uh, I have a lot of marketers that are, will complain, well, my salespeople just don't know what to say. They don't know what the messaging is. 
And then we start looking at all the material. I'm like, you got like tons of stuff for them to say. They don't, it's not that they don't know what to say. They don't know what to ask. So when we're teaching them the wrong thing. What you're uh. teaching them is to broadcast, which was what marketing's job is essentially, is broadcasting. And sales is not a broadcast. Sales is a, is a, is a, a language of questions. So we need to teach them what to ask. And, and you're not going to be able to provide every single thing for every eventuality all the time. And the thing about salespeople is salespeople are going to use the fact that they don't have particular information as an excuse not to do their job. So the sales organization is always good at a marketing organization. We need this or we need that or we need this. And the truth is they don't really need anything. They need to go pick up the phone. So or go walk in a door or go have a conversation or go ask a question, go do your job. And 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 that that someplace sometimes where the friction is and i think the best marketers are the ones that are able to read between the lines and know what they need to produce and know what they need not to produce i mm-hmm. think the the marketing organizations that struggle are the ones that just don't do anything like they go we get all these requests but we're not doing anything we're going to do whatever we want to or they like you said they just over engineer and overproduce and dump things on and then the sales organization is having 18 zoom meetings a day to go over the latest thing that marketing has rolled out that no one ever going to look at ever again because they don't even know where to find it so i think those are the hardest things but i will say that when you do produce information for your sales organization one of the metrics that you can use is how often are they using it and and we did this recently mm-hmm. we took we we We've got a, a whole production crew here, so we've built some really nice videos for our folks to use. So I we went back and took a look at the metrics, how, how often are those videos getting watched, and not very often. So then I went to the sales organization and said, okay, we've given you this information, we provided it for you, um, I, and I, I did this test. I said, can you go find the video on Bloom? And they just looked at me. I'm like, where is it? I'm like, we had a meeting and we showed you how to go to it. So then you think, you know, like you think this is what salespeople do. Like they forgot immediately. And Mm -hmm. we thought because we produced it and gave it to them, we fell into that trap that they were using it. Mm -hmm. Think about process, right? We didn't have a process for sending it out to them again, staying in front of them again, keeping it in front of them again, because the salesperson, the day that they needed it, they didn't remember where it was, so they just made something up on their own or sent something out. We didn't, we didn't keep telling them, keep telling them, keep telling them, keep telling them where the, where the video was so that they could send it out and use it with their, you know, with their customer. A classic problem, classic mistake. I see it with my own customers. We did it with ourselves from a marketing standpoint that's one thing that you can take a look at. Are we using the material? How are we using the material? What's it doing for us? But don't don't look at it and go, we're not using it, so we need to go make something else. That would be what a marketer does, right? We get paid to make stuff. Go, I would do that to the test. Somebody go find me this. Do a scavenger hunt with your marketing <laughs> material. If they can't find it, the problem is, is, is not the material. The problem is, is that you didn't tell them. You told them once. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm fixated on something you said uh, just earlier on in that segment about um, the language of sales is questions, and the language of marketing is answers. And so, you know, if if you think about the communication, you know, if you're going to go into a room and someone speaks English and someone speaks Spanish, you just got to know that, right? Otherwise, you're not going to communicate. And and I think one of the things, uh, just with my marketing hat on. We, we create a lot of answers, right? Value propositions, um, you know, content. They're answers to questions. Um, but when we're creating 
content as marketers, what if we also thought about like just even writing down the questions that that content answers? Or before we start writing, creating content, we thought about what are the actual questions, you know, tip of the hat to Marcus Sheridan, right? But I, if you think about this alignment point and looking at these different languages of questions, uh, I'm curious what you guys think. Do you think the language of marketing is answers? Um, is it, uh, I, I, I've never heard it expressed like that, Jeb. So I'm just having a moment here. So thanks for, for letting me have this moment, but, but you know, this is, this is fundamental. Cause I think sometimes marketers go here, I gave you all this content, but the, the type of content that salespeople need are more around questions and then maybe some just talking points around, what do you think? Well, I think if you if you think about answers as bridges, okay. So, mm. so when you when I ask a question, so if I'm in discovery, so so sales is a language of questions, and discovery is eighty percent of the sales process. So, what a couple of things happened in the past. One of these things was this disaster called Challenger, and for, forgive me for all the Challenger fans out there, but no one could actualize this this program because. It doesn't really work in the real world. I mean, there's a handful of of like savants that are able to go in and and use the challenger methodology and make it work. But they're they're people who understand human relationships and earning the right to be able to challenge in that way or provide insight in that way. Most people it just didn't work for them. And the reason mm. it didn't work for them is that you know, always if I'm sitting in front of an audience, I'll raise you know I'll say raise your hand if you're over the age of 45 and like ha- you know half the audience. I said. I said, and how does it feel when a like a 23 year old walks into your office and telling you that you're doing it all wrong, and you just see the heads go down, like you know, I mean, it doesn't work. Like nobody wants that. Nobody wants to be talked at. So, so one of the problems with Challenger, and it started with all of this insight-driven. Everybody's got to have insight. So that's what customers want. And uh, and and so what marketers did was started producing these answers, but they were giving we were giving the answer to the customer, the buyer, before the buyer even knew that that was the answer that they needed. So we were walking in their office talking at them. Well, think about this. Think about what we said earlier. The buyer's emotional experience while going through the process with you is the most consistent predictor of outcome of any other variable. Now, as a human being, just think about the most unlikable human being in your life. The most unlikable person in your life is the person that is standing in front of you talking about themselves. Right. So what is insight? All insight is showing up and throwing up. That's all we were doing. That insight didn't matter. Insight's, insight is not insight if it's not relevant to the person. So what salespeople have to do is ask the questions to understand the customer or understand their situation. And by the way, you're understanding things at the enterprise level. So what, what are, what's the situation that they're in? You know, what are the outcomes that they want to accomplish? And how are they evaluating the vendor? And you have to understand things at the stakeholder level. So the stakeholder is an individual who is, in most cases, using someone else's money to solve their problems. So the stakeholder has a set of criteria that is, in a lot of cases, emotional. So if you just think about value, all value is is an equation of emotional outcomes and business outcomes, right? That's how you get value. But those outcomes that we're talking about are relevant to the individual. Now, that doesn't mean they always know what they want. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that you have to ask questions. So the bridge is, right, when the customer, when the, when the salesperson asks the question and says, tell me about what's going on here. Help me understand, you know, what's important to you. Tell me what's going on. And the customer goes, blah, 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 blah. 
the insight happened there, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the customer says, I'm experiencing these things. The salesperson says, ah, totally get that. Did yes. you know that 70% of people in your situation are currently experiencing the exact same thing? And one of the ways that they're solving this is through this solution. Now, I don't know whether or not that's the right solution for you, but let me ask you a few more questions to see if I can understand. Boom, back to questions. That's the answer that marketing should deliver, but they have to help the person put it in the context of what's important to the prospect. Why? Because the prospect is asking five basic questions of the salesperson in every, every interaction. Do I like you? Do you listen to me? Do you make me feel important? Do you get me in my problems? Do I trust and believe you? And it's that do you get me in my problems that insight really comes to play. But if you are able to connect insight with relevance, right, relevance to them, that's the moment they begin to say, wow, you get me. And the people that that we believe get us, those are the most important relationships in our life. That's when we begin to get trust. You can only get there through asking questions. And by the way, if we just dial this into human emotion, the most insatiable human need is the need to feel important, to feel significant. Nobody feels important when you walk into their office and throw insight at them. They feel important when you listen to them and you give them time to talk and then you connect the dots relevant to them. That's where marketing and sales intersect in the sales process. Questions, and I love what you said, marketing is the language of answers. I totally buy that. I think that's beautiful to put those two things together. Peanut butter and jelly all in the same place. Yeah, right? baby. Boom. And But that's how we have to start thinking about insight. We can't just say and advocate our responsibility to earn the right to give insight through the relationship just because somebody came out and said, well, you know, we just need to start telling buyers what they want. Right. Trust me, it doesn't work. What a fantastic conversation with Jeb, packed with ideas and insights that you can put to work immediately to get sales and marketing aligned. I want to challenge you. Take the ideas today, get with your marketing or sales counterpart, and begin putting these to work. If you'd like additional ideas to align sales and marketing to drive results, visit 2021alignmentchallenge.com or text the word alignment to 21,000. You'll get immediate access to all of the presentations from the challenge, as well as future bonus presentations throughout the year. My goal is to help you drive revenue. So take action. And until next week, let's get going and let's get growing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Would you like to get complimentary access to the Revenue Growth Engine audiobook? Just text the word revenue to 21,000 or go to revenuegrowthengine.com slash book. You'll get instant access to the audiobook so you can get ideas to help you grow your revenue so you can scale your impact. Text the word revenue to 21,000 or go to revenuegrowthengine.com slash book to get instant access. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you found ideas to help you drive exponential revenue growth so your business can make more of an impact. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to like or subscribe. It also helps us spread the word if you'd be kind enough to leave a review. Of course, we'd love it if you would share this with your friends. Together, we are growing revenue so we can scale our impact.